Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan, Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci fi nerd. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Once a month, we do a Zoom call with our favorite people, and those would be our Patreon subscribers. And we basically just talk about books and hang out. So it's always great to catch up with book people. We hear about what they're reading. They can hear about what we're reading that we don't talk about on the podcast. And there's usually some shenanigans that go in there as well, too. So if you're interested in hopping in on the call with us, then all you have to do is become a Patreon member. It also allows you to get a special episode every few months. As a matter of fact, we will be recording a new episode tomorrow. And it will be about fairy tales and fairy tale retellings. If you're interested in being a member, just go to patreon.com and type in three book girls. You will find us there. So we got that. We got the business out of the way. I'm trying Let to me think. just vent for a second. Oh, do Why tell. on earth is every dress sleeveless anymore? Why? Why are there not people who have shitty arms like me? Like I have flappy arms. I don't want everybody seeing that shit. Why can't I find a dress with sleeves? Why? uh because it's designers summertime. take note put <laughs> sleeves on your fucking dresses you dill holes because it's about to be summertime and people don't want lots of sleeve it's hot uh, just put a short sleeve on it put it put in a put a sleeve that can come off with velcro i don't even care oh now there's a there's an entrepreneurial mm -hmm. idea for you it's i'm gonna the, have to wear a shrug it's lee press on sleeves lee press on <laughs> sleeves i i have this Thing. it's called a, it's called a sleepy wonder it's a it's a little long <laughs> sleeve thing yeah <laughs> it's, just, it's like a it's like a little bolero jacket with with long sleeves but it's made to wear under it so you can take like a camisole or a sleeveless dress uh -huh. and turn it into a long sleeve thing there it's you go you need a sleepy wonder see yeah <laughs> i don't know that's oh, hilarious is that a real thing <laughs> It's a real thing. I love that it's called Sleevey Wonder. Now I'm looking that shit up. Oh my God. That is the best brand ever. That is pretty good. Oh that... my God. There's a light. It's everywhere. <laughs> oh, it's on Amazon. Of course. Of course. Everything's oh, on Amazon. Oh, that's funny. Then you, huh. can, you can put a link up to the Sleevey Wonder. About that? Holy sheesh, why is it $57? Oh yeah, they're stupidly expensive. And mine wasn't <laughs> that expensive. I think I think it was 40 some when I got one, but yeah. it must be a really good product though. It's yeah, I've only worn it a couple of times, but it seems like they're real lightweight. They're kind of sheer, like a lot of them are lacy sleeves. Mine's just like a sheer floral print kind of thing. <laughs> you know what would be really cool is if you had a sleevey wonder um metal metal edition. So it would be covered in the tattoos of your choice. Chainmail? Like <laughs> Chainmail, that'd be cool too. I don't have any comments on sleeves. Mm. <laughs> I mean, if I want something to make it look like I have tattoos, I'll get the tattoo sleeves. It'll be cheaper. 
That's very true. Fifty dollars. <laughs> they have those. Yeah, but they don't go all the way over the shoulders, though. See, has anybody else been watching The Last of Us? No, but no. I heard people were super excited about episode oh, three. Oh my god, episode three was so epic. It was uh, about two gay fellows. Everyone was super excited. It was about so it, freaking. Like, good. It was the heartbreaking. Be- it I was hear. the best love story that I have ever seen. It was so good. It made me tear up. It was a very, very thin connection to the actual characters that were already in the show. So it was kind of like, okay, why are we going off for an entire episode when we don't even get to know the characters very much yet? There's no book associated with The Last of Us. That's also a criticism. Because <laughs> I would have liked to read the book. I mean, they, they came up with something a video original. Game. That's a, ri- a criticism? A, well, it's a video game. And they did the whole thing through the video game and then made a movie about it, which is really cool because the, it's Wait, a very it's a video game. Yeah. Yes. It's a video. It's like a, it was, it was around before Walking Dead was. Yeah. It, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Walking Dead books were probably the books out. were out first. Yeah. But yeah. And it's about relationships. No, 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 no it's no. like apocalyptic. It's, it's about oh. the, the storyline is about, have you heard of zombie ants? You have, right? Oh, the ones that like the fungus. Take over. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's basically a fungus that takes over all of the bodily stuff. It's like, uh, and like then, the girl and the the girl with all the gifts. Exactly. Only yeah. this is a more more on the lines of the Walking Dead type of thing. It doesn't focus so much on the, in the same way that the characters do. Hmm. Oh, we somebody brought up to speaking of video games. Um, Apparently, there is an entire fandom around Just Dance, which doesn't surprise me because that game's what great. What the hell is Just Dance? It's the one where you like you would hold the remote and you would dance and like you had to mimic the dance. It's great. It's a video game. It's a video game. Oh. It's my favorite. Anyway, one of my favorites. I can but just picture you flailing your arms around in your living room, I do, Megan, all the time. <laughs> um, but they so the care like the the map as they call it are like the people that kind of lead you through the dance mm-hmm. um one of the most famous ones is the rest uh rasputin song and he's very like iconic oh god we're into fucking no, russians again no, yes but no but so they the creators have made this whole storyline around rasputin and this other character and if you go through all the games like he pops up with her at random times and in this newest game they like she has like an angry breakup song and she's like they're ripping pictures of Rasputin's like dance guy off the wall and everyone's like what happened did they break them up and then oh it was so God. funny we had, I had no idea until Taylor sent that today and I was like Ta- I love it Taylor's one of our Patreon um girls shout out Taylor so now I feel like I need to go Taylor see what games. you've done thanks so much Taylor yeah you ruined the podcast <laughs> They were talking about video games. Yeah, but you had to bring in the fucking Russians again. And Megan is is I'm that person about many other things. She's walking a thin fucking line over here. She's actually in the studio with me today, so she's about to get a boob punch. <laughs> the cock whisperer is hilarious. Savani, so the that queen, looks like a demented, overgrown hobbit. Anyway, I know. I know. Vonnie's the queen of TikTok with the tight with the tight shorts. She's yeah. always sending us funny TikToks and this one <laughs> Welcome to the Cock Whisper. I am the Cock Whisper. Let's look at some cocks. 
We asked you to send in your cockpits, and you did just that. Unfortunately, after 200 plus emails, only 13 were actually roosters. The rest were Jenny tools. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on to talk about his um, really amazingly thick, cankled cocks. <laughs> Ones with the huge feet. Yeah, those are some funny looking cocks. Yeah. But I bet they'd still chase you. There's nothing worse than getting chased by a cock. This could go in so many ways. <laughs> That's why I love it. <laughs> Let's put it in slow motion so he can stroke the waddle. That co- that cock's going to peck him hard, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Then does, does he have fighting cocks? Well, there's nothing more fun than watching cocks fight. Yeah. <laughs> Not truly, because cockfighting is, is wrong awful. and illegal. Yeah. I was waiting. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh and horrible. Her, metaphoric. Her foot in it. Metaphoric yeah. cockfighting. Yes. No, actually, I was thinking about real cocks fighting. Sword fighting. Have you guys, are you guys Big Bang Theories? Yes. Uh, do you remember the episode where Raj gets... I can't remember if it's Raja gets it or um, the fuck is his name? Wallowitz gets it, but they get belt buckles. Yes. That are and they're fighting with the lightsaber belt buckles, like on their lightsaber bodies. Lightsaber belt buckles. Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking, wow. I can't believe that made it on TV. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much in that show that I'm like, I can't believe that made it. Like so many times in that show, stuff comes up and you'll just be like, did that really like is this really on TV? Am I watching this with my parents? Like what's yeah. happening? <laughs> this is totally the author of The Perfect Marriage. Her name's Geneva Rose. She has the best TikToks ever. Lately, so she what she's been doing is she was she was watching um all the 50 Shades of Grey's mo- Grey movies with her husband and he would like pause it and then he would say something yes. really ridiculous about it. But lately so the author would like she has a couple of best-selling books and some guy named scott keeps emailing her telling her how she sucks and her books are awful and trash and i hope that's not just, our so scott she, hope not because he's getting raked over the coals now like so she'll Ooh. come on tiktok and she'll be like i don't want to offend you scott <laughs> i made it to the bestseller list again today <laughs> Hi, everyone. You know me as the author of The Perfect Marriage. Don't tell Scott, but I'm still here. <laughs> it's amazing. She takes it. She, I mean, so everybody, many TikToks about that poor dude now. And I'm like, everybody yeah, needs, Scott. everybody needs a good hater, right? Because you got to <laughs> hate that. You got to love to hate the hater. The other one you sent around, I want to know, was that a real game show that that woman was on with all the sexual terminology? I don't know, but I think we should watch it if that were the case. <laughs> In Britain, they do lots of stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. it was yeah. because it's a game show where you pick your your category beforehand, and then they come up with questions for that category. And when this little old lady came on with like a bonnet and was like, what did sexual positions or something was her like? What is it called when they twist both your nipples? Tune in Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know hardly any of those. I saw that in a movie. And whoever the girl was that was that you were seeing her reactions to it on the other side of the screen was terrible. <laughs> I mean, I was at work, so I couldn't fully who puts listen. Taco- who puts tacos in their ass and then eats them? That's disgusting. 
Well, that's like twice baked potato. Who does that yeah, shit? True. Like, and if you want to screw up your algorithm, feel free to Google. What was the name? Of, that was a TikTok too, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. We'll put up the link for the Filthy Game Show. I think Vonnie sent that one too, didn't she? No, not the game show one. I did. Oh, okay. No. Keith, Keith sent the... Obviously, that's the kind of shit that makes it onto my For You page. <laughs> so, yeah, the filthy game show that Keith sent was absolutely killer. So yeah, between that's funny. Between Cox and, and, and filthy game shows, we had a great week. <laughs> <laughs> but it is time to actually do some business. We got some business to do up in here. And the business is books. So, Vani, would you like to start us off on this beautiful day? Okay, so the book I read this week is called The Polish Girl by Malka Adler. This one is, of course, World War II book set in Poland. It kind of jumps all over the place, but the starting point is 1939. And it's basically about a family with a mom, dad, a daughter and son who are Jewish in Poland at the beginning of the war. Um, Nazis invade. They all have to get fake papers and they do get, you know, fake papers, change their name, so on, so forth. But as the pressure continues to come down on them, they separate because at the time they were only taking the Jewish men to send them to work camps. So dad leaves and it's just mom and the two kids. And basically they spend half the war living out of the suitcase, moving from place to place, um, various different times. The kids aren't together with the mom and they're very young. Like at the beginning of the of the war, the little Polish girl, his name is Danusha. And I can't remember what the little boy's name is, but she's only five. And the little boy is only two. So from a very young age, they are taught rather harshly at times that they have to stay quiet at all times. Basically be invisible. And the mom eventually goes to work as like a housekeeper um, cook for a German doctor who is working for the Nazis with her fake name. She comes up with a story that she was a officer's wife and the officer was killed to kind of keep up her story. You kind of get the sense that the doctor and the doctor's wife know that she's not being completely honest, but they kind of look the other way. They they kind of turn a blind eye to her and her daughter living there. And at the time, the son is living with somebody else. And this is one of the times that they were split up and they don't come together again until they have to leave this place and go somewhere else. It's a little different than some of the World War II books that I've read because it's not based at a concentration camp. I read a lot of books that, you know, they're at the concentration camp about them going and surviving in the concentration camps. This is actually a Jewish family who is on the run 
for the whole extent of the war and the different, I want to say means, but that's not the right word. The extent that the mom goes to, to try to keep her family safe and out of the concentration camps. So it was good. It's an emotional book. I would say if there would have to be a trigger warning for child abuse in this, because there's even, there's some physical, but there's a lot of emotional stuff that just makes you kind of cringe. It made me cringe. The way it was written is a little difficult to follow because everything is kind of like in a flashback. It starts out with them being older and the mom is actually telling stories to a group of people about the war. So half of the book is from the moms telling the story and from Danusha's point of view, because it's from a little kid's point of view, there's a lot of things that happen that she doesn't understand. So you don't get the full story. Like the first time the little brother goes to live somewhere else, it's told from the five-year-old's point of view. And she just says that, you know, she woke up and her brother was gone and she didn't know what happened to him. You know, like she didn't know what happened to her dad. There's like no backstory, which is a little frustrating because when I was listening to it, I was, I heard that and I'm like, what the hell happened to the little brother? (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) What did I miss? But it's because as a little kid, her mom did not tell her very much. All she told her, basically, one of the main things that she told her is um, you're bigger, give in. Basically, just live with it. It was a little difficult to like the mom because I know she went to all of these extraordinary lengths to keep everybody safe and out of the concentration camps. But at the same time, she's kind of a shit person. She's very vain. She does not pay much attention to her daughter. She clearly favorites the son and not the daughter, even Mm -hmm. from the beginning of the book. Danusha has a hard time after the war fitting in at her school. Um, After the war, she goes to a Jewish school, but she had spent so much of the beginning of her life pretending to be Christian and going to Christian schools that she struggles. She struggles a lot. She struggles a lot with making friends and the mom doesn't make it better for her. And that was kind of difficult because I mean, she did all this stuff and was on the run for basically the whole war to keep everybody, to keep her kids safe. So you want to like her and think that she's a terrific mom, but then at the same time, she does like these crappy things and then you're kind of like well is she a good mom or is she a crappy mom so I don't know the book was good it's a very different look at um what Jewish families had to go through the ones who did go to the concentration camps like the extents that they had to go to to stay safe and the ones who did get caught Uh, what they went through to keep their family safe. Because if they caught you with fake papers, they basically tortured you 
to try to find out where the rest of your family is and where you got the fake papers until you until they killed you. So getting caught with fake papers was basically a death sentence right there. Mm-hmm. So it was emotional um, because the story didn't take a, a straight road and it went back from time to time, from perspective to perspective. That's the only reason why I wouldn't give it a five star is just because that was a little difficult. And it might've been better if you had the actual book itself. It might've used a way to, to show like which person was talking or when you switched. I would recommend it, but I would definitely warn somebody that it doesn't take a straight path through the story. And that again is called The Polish Girl by Malka Adler. Yeah, it was pretty good. I would give it a solid four. I think uh, we should have Keith next. Okay. So the book I am reviewing this week is called Just My Type by Fallon Ballard. And this book is about our main characters are Lana. And Lana comes on the scene. And just like a lot of the books I review, it's just a terrible, terrible beginning. She's out at the restaurant where her boyfriend of four years asked her on a date, like for the first time, like he took her on her first date to this restaurant and they've been planning it for a while. And so she's expecting a proposal. And so she's all gearing up for that. And instead he dumps her at the <gasps> restaurant. Fucking rude. Right. He takes her out to eat to dump her. Oh, yeah. that's probably so she doesn't make a scene. Huh? Well, that doesn't happen. She still makes a scene. And all the wait staff, when they when they find out, they're like bringing her drinks and stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, she she needs help because he's a douchebag. So her best friend May comes to save her. And May is just the epitome of awesome best friends. And May pretty much is like, okay, ex-boyfriend, bye. I'll take it from here. Go away. Um, so Lana works at a like an online i'm not even sure what you call them like it's not a newspaper but you know how they have these lifestyle like content creator yeah it sounds like a kind of almost like a buzzfeed kind of thing Mm. um and she's in la and she has always wanted to be a journalist and for eight years they have had her on the relationship column so she's constantly writing about relationships and she does not want that. She desperately wants to write about, she's kind of a nerd like me and Megan. She's very into the Marvel fandom. She um, she loves books and she wants to review books and movies and she has all sorts of things she would like to do and relationships is not one of them. But her boss has been telling her, oh, when, when some other kind of columnist opens up, you're right there. And it turns out this company is being acquired by a much larger news company. So the boss tells Lana, you know, you're going to have your chance because we're getting acquired. They'll need colonists. But the big company has also hired somebody and um, they're bringing him on as a columnist, but they start him off at the smaller place because they want to see how he fits in, I guess. And his name is Seth. And Seth and Lana were high school sweethearts and they dated for four or five years. And he broke up with her when she left for college rather than them do a long distance kind of thing. And Lana has been salty about it 
ever since. So Seth is here and while Lana has never been alone, like she goes from huge monogamous relationship like to other monogamous like long-term relationship. So she's always in some long-term relationship. And Seth is a big old man whore. <laughs> so I think they call him a serial dater, which is a lot nicer than what I call it. But so, and he just, he's never really been in a long-term relationship other than this thing, like when he was really young in high school. Um, so the boss gets this bright idea that the two of them should have a competition for the column that's available. Ruh-roh, Raggy, ruh-roh. Oh, of course. You always know that when the boss comes up with some, like, great idea that no one's going to be cool about it except the boss. So her bright idea is that since Lana's never alone, that for, I think, 10 weeks, every week, Lana should be alone. And she should have this, Seth should come up with a list of things that will help her to love herself and be okay in being alone. So there's like all sorts of weird things on her list. Like one of them is go to therapy. Some are really smart things. And then some are just bizarre things. Like get a number from a stranger, go speed dating, have a one night stand, which she has never done because she doesn't do casual stuff. She likes long-term relationships. And since Seth is this serial dater, he needs to do the opposite. He needs to focus on what kind of things he can do to be in a long-term relationship. And things on his list are stuff like he's living out of boxes in his apartment because he's just moved to LA. So like he has to buy Ikea furniture and put it together. And um, he has to go on at least three dates with the same woman. And he can't have sex for the entire time that he's doing this 10-week trial. And so with each thing off their list, they then write a column about it. And they are in competition where the the viewers are going to, at the end, vote on who is going to get this column based on which person they like the best, who's done the best job at this. So obviously, neither one of them is thrilled about it. And then it turns into this their vote both very competitive. So it it turns out into almost like, what can I do to derail the other person? (laughs) And so throughout this whole competition, they still, both of them have these unresolved feelings about how they ended things. And it's one of the, you know, it's one of those situations where there's his side of the story and her side of the story. And then there's the truth because neither one of them really understand what was going on. And so throughout everybody like trying to one up each other, obviously they both learn a lot about themselves because of these weird tasks that they have, but then they learn a lot about each other too. So it's really interesting watching the two of them interact, like learning their inner dialogue and One of the things I really liked about this book is how very normalizing they make therapy. I just really like when it's not like a big thing, like both of them have on their lists, 
go and see a therapist. And both of them are like, you know what? Who couldn't use therapy? All of us could use therapy. And um, it really helps both of them. And I mean, I love any book that normalizes like trying to get in touch with your mental health and trying to get better with that. So, I mean, that got two thumbs up right there in my book. It's one of my shorter reads and it was just, it was just a lot of fun. Um, A great precursor to Valentine's Day for a nice little rom-com. And uh, it comes out this coming Tuesday on the 7th. So it's a brand new book. And that again was Just My Type by Fallon Ballard. I love that name, Fallon Ballard. It does roll off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, it's too bad I already picked my radio name or I'd change it. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, this is Fallon Ballard. All right, Pat, would you like to bring the room to a different location? Oh, let's bring the room to some serial killing. Oh, yeah. Serial killing. Stabby, stabby. My second favorite Ah. type of book. (laughs) So the book I read is called Sworn to Silence by Linda Castillo. And it is the first book in a series uh, called the Kate Burkhalter Mystery Books. I've actually read four or five other books in the series, but I was just able to finally get a hold of the first one. So since we like to do the first book in a series on this podcast, the basic setup is that Kate Burkhalter is the chief of police in a small Ohio town called Painter's Mill. Painter's Mill is, the majority of it is made up of an Amish community. Kate was raised Amish, and at the age of 18, when the Amish teenagers go on what they call the rumpspringa, which is their chance to go out and sow their wild oats and and experience non-Amish life a little bit and decide what, you know, make sure that they want to fully commit to this fairly straight-laced lifestyle, Kate decides that it's not for her. And so she goes off, moves to Columbus, Ohio, and uh, takes some classes and becomes a police officer. And then six years later, comes back to Painter's Mill to take on the position of chief of police. So she is a very young chief of police. She's 30 years old. She's a woman. And she faces a lot of skepticism from the town fathers. In fact, the one question that isn't answered is, how did she get hired for this job in the first place? Because the town council is not really very supportive or behind her. And it's it made me wonder, how exactly did she get this job? <laughs> uh, because it doesn't seem like anybody much is willing to to credit her with a lot of ability, although she uh, she does have a lot of ability. She takes the job very seriously. She is a good analytical thinker. And one advantage that she does have is that she speaks the strain of German that is Pennsylvania Dutch. So she can communicate with the Amish community in their native language, as it were. Most of them, they speak English as well, but she's able to put them at ease and very often uses that technique of speaking in in the Pennsylvania Dutch language to put them at their ease. The book opens with quite a violent killing of a young woman. And there are several more in pretty quick succession. And the town realizes that they have a serial killer on their hands. Are they Amish women or English women? Both. Okay. The, the first two are, and I, I found that interesting because they do, they call the non-Amish English in, in this 
Yeah. Where I grew up, I grew up in Lancaster County in Pennsylvania, which also has a sizable Amish community. And there they they refer to themselves, or at least they did 50 years ago when I was living there, as plain or worldly. Hmm. I never heard the term English. We were called the worldly folks. And I don't know, I, I think I like English better, but it would make me feel like I should have been, had an accent. Anyway, that's <laughs> a side note. The women from both communities are being victimized and they pretty quickly call in some assistance from a county sheriff who's kind of a he's a publicity hound is what he is he's very much uh in the guise of saying oh let me help you with this you don't have to worry about handling the press conferences and everything i'll take care of that and kate really is the type who doesn't want to do press conferences she just wants to do police work she's not there to be in front of the microphone and and become a celebrity. But this sheriff they call in really is, and he pretty quickly, she senses, is trying to wrest control of the case from her. They also call in a consultant from the State Division of Criminal Investigation. His name is John Tomasetti, and he has a lot of baggage of his own. His wife and daughters were killed by in a home invasion some, oh, two years before this. And he has gone through hell. He took the law into his own hands and went and exacted his revenge on the killer. They could never prove that, but everybody kind of suspects that he had done that. So they're trying to sort of work him into a position where he's not really able to do much but they can't really fire him because they don't have any proof. And he's gotten himself into drugs and alcohol to try and cope with the pain of his loss. And he is just now sort of trying to fight his way out of that situation, that the whole drug and alcohol dependency. He's the one they call in uh, as a consultant. Well, he and Kate end up developing a relationship. This relationship runs through all the books. It's, not, it's never the main focus, but it's a constant sort of in the background. I can't say too much more about what happens without giving things away. A couple of, well, I guess a trigger warning, just because this is set in a nice little small town Amish community, it's got some, some bloody murders and she does not shy away from describing what this serial killer does to his victims. So it is by no means a cozy sort of mystery. It's definitely got its, its bloody aspect. Kate is, an interesting character. Um, the the mysteries, you know, now that I've read five or six of them, they're not super twisty, but they are good police work kind of things, and she is an interesting and well-drawn character. With one little quirk that kind of makes me laugh, and I think maybe, I hope this is intentional on the part of the author, but every time Kate has to do something that she doesn't really want to do, prime amongst that is going to talk to the families of a victim and break the news to their family that they've been murdered. And every time she has to do something she really doesn't want to do, she always talks about it in terms of like losing a body part. I'd rather cut off my left hand than go talk to these people. I'd rather cut off my right foot than deal with a press conference. I'd and after a few of these books, you think it's a good thing this woman, because this woman would be down to like nothing but nubs She'd and be stuff. like the Black Knight. Oh, that's the Knight. Yeah. The Black the Knight, Knight in, in, uh, the Black Knight. in um, Monty Python. Yes. yes. But they're, they're pretty decent little mysteries. They are, like I said, not super twisty, 
but well-drawn characters. The other thing that makes me smile is whenever an author sets these kinds of books in a small town, the same thing is true if you are a Longmire fan, if you've read any of those mysteries or watched that TV show set in a small town in Wyoming, they become like the murder capital of <laughs> yeah, that cracks me up. They have a town of 3,000 people and a murder every every, every other week. day, every yeah. other week. Yeah. And and pretty often with these uh several of these Kate Burkhalter ones I've read have been serial killers. It's like they're they're knocking off these Amish people faster than you. <laughs> I mean, I did just watch a whole documentary on the Amish and their issues. Issues. Pedophilia issues. So, gross. I mean, if you want to. Nah, gross. I mean, there could be a few. We could probably stand to have. And I listened to the audiobook version of this, and I thought it was very well read. The woman who was the narrator did a very nice job with it. So, they make good audiobook things. They're, they're like. They're like M&Ms. You can just keep popping one. <laughs> pop another one. Pop another one. That's good. It's, see, I kind of am like that with my um, police procedures. Yeah. But if, if your taste in M&Ms is murder and mayhem, you may find these tasty. So. <laughs> <laughs> is that the red M&M? Very, very nice. And that is Sworn to Silence by Linda Castillo. And many of our book girls have made comment about the fact that they have also read these, so... Our Patreon people have mentioned it as well. So. All right, I got, I'm closing us out because Martha's just here as a voice tonight, which we didn't know. I'm just here as an annoying presence. <laughs> it's fair. It's not Since annoying. I'm the one that has to record this monstrosity. And edit it. She has all the fun. Um, well, yeah. in true February fashion, I have a lot of romance on deck for this month because uh, February is just part two of Christmas romances. But don't worry, they're not Christmas, Martha. You're safe. Boob punch would be in order then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a really buzzy book and a really buzzy author that most people have probably already read, but I was saving it for now. I am reviewing Love on the Brain by Allie Hazelwood. Uh, Allie Hazelwood, this is her second novel. Her first one we've also reviewed, which was The Love Hypothesis. So if you were like, that sounds familiar, that's why. So this book is fabulous. I read it in like a day. I sat down and just we like couldn't put it down. I was like, nope, I don't need food. I don't need water. I need nothing other than to read this book. <laughs> and it was great. And I was nervous because my friend Rachel, she did not love this book. So I was, uh, I was kind of freaking out that I was going to be disappointed. And I loved it. So... We have B, spelled like the bumblebee, like B-E-E. -E. She works for a company. She's a scientist. She's a woman in STEM. And she does neurology type things. And she is applying for a job with NASA. And they are making a helmet basically that like the astronauts can think things and it'll happen. Like, it's, like, connected to their... And this is not science fiction? It could be. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so she applied for this job, and she got it. But there's a little bit of backstory that we need before we can talk too much about her moving. So she goes to grad school, and while she's in grad school, she gets engaged in, like, all the things. Uh, turns out that her then-fiancé is a literal piece of shit. <laughs> and is kind of like Keith's guy over here, just, you know, man whoring around. Except uh, 
she thinks he's in a relationship with her. So problem. And she has, a, there's a guy that she goes to grad, another guy she goes to grad school with named Levi. And Levi's always just like trying to, from her pers- perspective, is always just running away from her. Like he doesn't want to work with her. He doesn't want to deal with her. He must hate her. She's decided for years that Levi just hates her. And she goes to talk to her boss about moving to Houston for this NASA thing. And then she gets an email. It's like, hey, by the way, you're actually the co-lead on this project with our guy from NASA, Levi. And she's like, oh, shit. Levi hates me. This project is deciding my entire career because if it fails, I'm never going to be allowed in STEM again. Uh, If it succeeds, I'm going to be a badass. So... She starts to panic, and as she's driving or flying to Houston, moving to Houston, uh, we find out that she runs a very popular Twitter account. Um, Basically, she asks, like, what Madame Curie would do, kind of like instead of what would Jesus do, what would Madame Curie do? And it's a huge following, like millions of followers, but no one knows it's her. So she, like, amplifies voices of other women in STEM or people in STEM in general, um, they'll they'll tweet her and say, hey, like, what would Marie Curie do uh, in this situation? And so she is talking to another person on Twitter, and they have like deep conversations. It's they're like pen pals, and it's it's a guy we don't know who he is, but they have all these deep conversations, and he's telling her things, she's telling him things, and they always just kind of confide in each other, but they've never met. So she gets down to Houston. And they show her to her lab and it's like on the other end of the entire campus (laughs) um, hallway from where Levi's team is. And she's like, how are we supposed to build this shit together if our real offices are on the other side from each other? Like, this is going to be a nightmare. And their badges don't work. Their their stuff's not there. And she's like, what the hell is going on? Like, why am I here if we're not doing this? And her boss is calling, like, asking for daily updates. And she's like, uh, well, it'd be great if my equipment would fucking get here so I could do some work. And she keeps going to Levi. And he's like, email me. And she's like, I've emailed you 15 times, you dick. You haven't answered me. It's because you hate me. <laughs> uh, so they're going, having some email connection issues. And come to find out that basically NASA doesn't want her company's help. Basically. And wants to claim, like, all the credit uh, so they're trying to like stall so that the that they pull her out and then NASA can get all the credit. And for, she's convinced that like it's Levi's doing, like that he's sabotaging her personally. She calls about the equipment and finds out that it's been canceled and all this stuff. So she's very overthinking, which is what I love about her, that she just assumes the worst possible scenario is happening. Like, convinced that Levi is just trying to fuck her over and that he doesn't want the project to succeed because it means she would succeed and it's just ongoing back and forth and he kind of keeps me like he keeps saying like I don't hate you why do you think I hate you and she's like because you hate me and he's like but I don't hate you I don't understand why you think that Um, so they are of course going just back and forth and back and forth and they, a lot of weird things keep happening, like the equipment getting canceled and her badge is not working. And she has a NASA email address, but like it doesn't go anywhere. Like people will email her and it's just lost in the world. So there's just lots of things going on. Of course, they end up taking a road trip together because they have to go to this convention because they need to spy on the other team trying to do the same thing. And we run into the dickhead X himself. 
and this is kind of where the story starts to turn as all romances have a moment where something changes um and levi really sees like because levi knew her ex he they had worked together so she thought that he knew they broke up he thought they were married so it was like a whole lot of like miscommunication happening between them because she wears her grandmother's wedding ring and so he thought she was married because she was wearing this wedding ring and she's like he has to know he's worked with whatever his face is and really he had no idea what was happening a lot of times so it was it was awesome and they have a really cool campaign with her twitter account um to get rid of the gre because they're like this shit is archaic and doesn't tell you anything about anybody kind of like the sats and the acts uh so they use the her twitter which no one knows it's her right they just had their like her intern was like whoa you should tweet at what would marie curie do because like she can you know raise the masses <laughs> and she's like sweet yeah that we should yeah we should do that and she's like answering her <laughs> under the table basically um but it's a fun story a fun adventure in science you get a lot of science but not to the point where you're like i have no idea what they're talking about there is a villain in this story that you have to find out who and why there's a villain lots of miscommunications like she just starts assuming everything about him about levi and is almost wrong every single time uh so it's yeah it's a good time I gave it five stars because I read it in a day. And we all know that I don't sit down ever in a whole day and finish a 300 page book. That is pretty amusing. I, f- I find it funny to think of you sitting and reading all day. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I took some TikTok breaks in there, of course, but had, I like went down to my parents' house for dinner and I was like, can we not like talk for, can we not have a long dinner? Cause I'm like 50 pages from the end and I need to know what happens. Um, there's some turbulence as there always is. Things don't go the way they're supposed to. Um, but it was a good look at a young woman in STEM trying to make her path and making it where other women can come behind her and be successful. But the, the, the interactions between her and Levi are just epic. Uh, I would say the spice is towards the end and I would, it's probably like a two, two and a half spice. Cause it's, it's detailed, but it's not like an entire half of a book. Like, things happen, but you don't, like, sit there and be like, cool, I just read three chapters about how much sex they had. It's kind of spaced out. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> it's a romance. You know it's coming. Um, and, yeah, I highly recommend it because I just love Allie Hazelwood. I just bought her other novella that I'll probably read later this year sometime. To me, she can do no wrong. She's a must read. Like as soon as I see a new book from her, I'm like, order, buy, need it. Thank you. And that was Love on the Brain by Allie Hazelwood. What was that old lady that used to have like NPR? I don't know if she was NPR, but she'd be- Oh, Dr. Ruth? Dr. Ruth. It was always weird to me when, like, you'd watch Dr. Ruth, and it's just, like, your grandma just being, like, and this oh, is how... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that if people need that information, but it was always weird to me that, like, people would be, like, let me email my grandma. And my grandma knows all of this information <laughs> about the clitoris, and she's going to give us a little lesson. Like, but she was so adorable. <laughs> she always, I don't know. I guess she was on late night TV. She had to have been. Who, Dr. Ruth? Yeah, she had been on like late, oh, late night. Yeah, she, she was, was a, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, she was a guest on everybody's show there for a while. And that was the reason that she was so iconic is that she was just this little old lady. But yet 
she was a sex therapist, so she had all this information, and she, and she had such a weird accent that it really made her, it really made her pop on television. I think she was German, wasn't she? I think so. Yeah, I want to say I think so. Doctor, maybe like Westheimer, you would think. Ooh, Westheimer. Yeah, yeah. She was the <laughs> best. She was. I just think she. I feel like she was ahead of her time too. Like. To be like she's still alive? Sex? No way. No, she's got. To, she'd be like 150. Are you sure? Someone Google it. I'm checking right now. <laughs> she died. A f- she didn't die a long time ago. Like maybe 10 years ago. It, oh no, she's 94. She's still alive. I was gonna say. Wait a minute. No way. We, we would have totally heard about it. I thought I did. I, right. <laughs> the rumors of her death were greatly exaggerated. Oh, so she's well, younger than Betty White. That's crazy. I always Eddie thought she White was... probably taught her everything she knew. Probably. She, yeah, she's, she's four foot seven. She's so she little. Is, she is truly a tiny little old lady. A tiny, filthy little old lady. Well, I don't know if filthy is really the right no, word. No, like educated. Yeah, she's yeah. she's just educated about important things. That I think that's my biggest pet peeve about my whole upbringing and you guys heard me talk about this before because that show set sex education which is on netflix yeah basically they're learning all of these things in school and they're talking about these things in school and they're all talking openly and because uh, i grew up in a very religious background you not only never talked about these things but it was just so it was like sex was like murder. You didn't do it unless you were married. And that was the end. You mean you can murder people if you're married? <laughs> I've had a license to kill and didn't know it all this time. <laughs> Damn it, I can't. Shattered <laughs> cracking. I'll give you guys my list. No, but no. I mean, we I'm were kidding. told we were told that those were the the two big, you know, that it was just as ma- it was just as bad to have sex outside of marriage as it was to murder somebody. You know, it's funny. I was listening to one of my murder podcasts and the guy that does it and then he has this producer and she like chimes in and she was saying how when she was growing up, she's like, I was always afraid that I was going to die before I had sex. And he was like, that's because you were raised in like super religious church. And that's why yeah. <laughs> like your perspective of like sex. And I'm going to die a virgin. Yeah, like she was like, I remember being very worried about this growing up. <laughs> When you're raised super conservative, well, there's there's one of the, the things that books are really good for. Yes. Because I, I knew early on, it was like, I'm not going to get any helpful information from my mother. This is not... Yeah. My mom gave me the talk before I went off to college, and the talk consisted of the words, nothing below the neck before you're married. Mm-hmm. That was it. The <laughs> whole talk in one sentence. <laughs> oh, my and, God. Uh, but I so when I was still in high school, the uh, the book Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex came out, and so I got myself a copy of that, and I was reading through it, and I thought, let's just run a little test here. So I said to my mom one day, "What is what is masturbation, mom?" And she said, "We don't use words like that in this house." <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I'm gonna. There's the helpful amount of information I'm gonna get. Back to the books. <laughs> you know did, what? They, did you, oh, go ahead. They did, never had that book in in the libraries that I had access to. And this was, of course, before the internet. So 
I never learned any of those things from that book. Did you see they're making <laughs> Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret into a movie? I did, and I did read that one. But I that didn't that have a lot of information about sex. It was mostly about your period. Yes, but I can't believe that's not been made into a movie before now. I know. That's going to be a great movie. The adaptation of really great books. Maybe they should have an adaptation of the book you were just saying, Pat. What was the name of that? Everything you wanted to, to know. About Everything you always wanted to know about sex, but were afraid to ask. Woody Allen made it years ago. I was just uh, going to say, I think there was a movie. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was he nothing would. like the book. Yeah. Oh he, yeah. He picked. He picked. I think four or five of the questions from the book and just did comic vignettes inspired oh. by those questions. Mm. It's actually a pretty funny movie, but. I know it's politically incorrect. I like Woody Allen's movie. It's okay, Pat. We you, all have unpopular opinions. I pre-ordered the Harry Potter Hogwarts Legacy game, even though yeah, we we it yeah puts we have money complicated relationships in that woman's with our pocket. authors. We do. Yeah, we, but hey, you know what? The trans community on TikTok said I was allowed to, so they have spoken. They said, if don't die on this hill, it's not the hill to die on. If you want to play the game, play the fucking game. So thank you for permission to enjoy my phantom and not feel <laughs> as terrible. I don't remember it, ever having the talk. Were your parents very conservative? Yes. Oh, well. You but I don't remember ever. Like we had like. But you were at boarding school. But not till high school. Well. I mean, we were, we had like teen living where they like separated the boys and the girls and had like here's your period and here like that but i don't remember my parents and i ever having like the talk what about you bonnie i never had a talk with my mom i learned more from my babysitter than i did my mom <laughs> nice <laughs> you must have had a kick-ass babysitter as long as she didn't show you where the what was it the nubus or the nubus the, oh. the piece made up and that one that was a great article it was an um article about they completely made up yeah. a piece of female genitalia and asked teenage boys and girls if they could reliably identify it and a, a good amount of them said oh yeah I can. 40 40 some percent said yes i can i can find that i know right where that is i'm trying to is think that of in the, the hannah montana bone song 45 percent of male students say they can find a nubus uh Nubis, N-U-B-I-S. The, the god of death? Not in... Anubis. Uh, <laughs> Nubis. But yes, it is. Anubis is the god the, of death. The jackal-headed Egyptian yeah. god. Yeah. Nubis. Nubis is supposedly a female body part that they were asking their students to identify in a sexual health and well-being class. It, this is in the UK. If you were to ask an adult male the same question... I'm relatively sure he would fake his way through it and try to pretend like he knew exactly what you were talking about. Does anybody know people like that? Guys like Dude, that? Dude, I'm pretty sure I would do that. I mean, I feel like a lot of people would. They'd be like, oh, yeah, totally no. Actually, when I read the headline before I read the rest of the story, I just thought, oh, that must be like a different term for the clitoris or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too, because I'm so not down with slang words. The first time I heard somebody say fire, I thought it was spicy and they were talking about pie. I'm like, the pie is spicy? Is it cinnamon? Or And they're like, no, it's fire. Like, it's good. I'm like, so it's hot? <laughs> no, it's fire. It's good. And my sister it's finally busting. said, that means it's good. I'm like, 
I know I don't get the latest teen lingo now that Jeremiah's moved because his his niece used to like tell him all the things so he'd come back from being down at his parents and seeing his niece and stuff and he'd tell us all the new lingo so I'm behind because I don't have a teenager telling us he came he's like it's bussing and I was like what the hell is bussing he's like because he really would learn him to say them back to her to embarrass the hell out of her because she'd be like, you're not cool, Uncle Jeremiah. Stop it. <laughs> I'm so not down with the slang. Well, that's what that whole game show TikTok is basically about. Because it's all these terms that if you're not up on things, you would have no fucking idea. Yeah, I knew none of those. None. I think I knew like I one. Knew one. I knew one. I knew what a teabagging was. Yes, that was the only one I think I knew. I think. <laughs> okay, I had- well, oh, back with the teabagging. Somebody told me. Now I had this conversation with somebody a long time ago about teabagging. They said that it wasn't. It was when it they teabag in your mouth, not your eyes. No, no this is like me. when you're. No, I'm with Vani on this one. I think I- it's anywhere on the face. Oh. See, oh, yeah, when somebody I- told me what it was, because, of course, you know, somebody was talking, they said something about teabagging. I'm like, what the fuck is teabagging? And so they told me and they said mouth. So I thought maybe the eyes was something different. No, I think it's anywhere on the face. Getting balls in the face is teabagging. But is it only when it's from above or is it like vertical? No, I think it's like when it's horizontal, from- too. I don't know. That's a, a horizontal good... hit of the balls. Is that teabagging? No. Hmm. I think it's Has just he... the dipping motion of, of the balls. Yeah. And now but... you have been educated by a woman who knows literally nothing about. And that's going to do it for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because the eyes didn't make sense. Why would you want balls in the eyes? Maybe I mean, it's... it would be much more nope, pleasure. I'm not even going to say it out loud. Not say even going to say it. Out loud. Say it, Megan. But okay, so maybe if you've got like the mouth, then the re- the the others are in the eyes. Yeah. So like he's, but then it would have to be like if you're if, down. Like if yeah. Yeah, I mean that would be pretty okay, hard to but, get balls in the eyes. But if they're yeah, I don't know. If, if they're if standing over that- you. Yeah, but, but don't forget usually... to let it steep for maximum strength. <laughs> <laughs> and that's gonna do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.